On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Grindhouse Girls friends and fam. We're heading back into the early 90s, where in the start of the decade, Casey Lennons, a young actress, started to become very frustrated at the available roles for black actresses in Hollywood. She started to take out these frustrations in a way that was also cathartic for her. She started to write. Over time, one of her writings, originally a novel, slowly turned into a screenplay. In it, a young girl, similar to a version of herself who sometimes spent summers in Tuskegee, Alabama with her grandma, navigated the fables that made up her family and how different memories and viewpoints could change those stories. Despite production company after production company turning her down for four years, Casey finally made her movie and she directed it too. Her movie ended up becoming the number one art house film of 1987, receiving three standing ovations at its premiere and receiving what Casey still calls a love letter review from film critic Roger Ebert, who called it the best film of the year ranking it higher than Best Picture winner Titanic on his end of the year list. In 2018, her film was also selected by the Library of Congress for preservation in the National Film Registry, possibly the highest honor a film could have. In case you didn't know, we're talking about 1997's Eve's Bayou, this week currently streaming on Amazon Prime. So sit back and don't go stealing any pineapples. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. And this is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Episode <laughs> Hi, 80, 86? I think it's episode 86. Ooh. Season 3. Um, wow. I know. Um, I'm super excited. How are you, Britt? I'm, I'm okay. I can't complain. What about you, Katie? I'm okay. Just uh, working. I'm very excited because the Cincinnati Bengals are going to the Super Bowl for the first time in like over three decades. So Nice. As a Bengals fan, I'm pretty excited. Although, um, I'm also very nervous because they are like it's a new team. Like, I mean, like their players are new. And I never watch football, y'all. I never watch football. But I just on the offhand chance they won, I watched the first playoff game with my parents, and they won. And then I watched the next playoff game with my parents, and they won. And then they won last week, and so now they're going to the Super Bowl. This episode, I think, will come out after the Super Bowl, so I don't know if they're going to win or not. Um, ah. But just going, I think, is really cool. It's kind of a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And um, they play, they've been playing really, really well, and they have really good players, and I'm really excited for the city of Cincinnati, which is my, like, ancestral home. Much like this movie has an ancestral home. Of East Bayou. Like, I was kind of thinking about that because um, Casey Lemons was talking about how her grandmother's home in Tuskegee, like, felt like her home, too, even though, like, she lived in St. Louis. And I was like, that feels like me going and visiting my grandparents, like, all the time as a kid. So, I don't know. But that that was pretty exciting, I gotta say. Like, I'm excited. 
Yeah, that is really awesome. I'm so glad to hear that for you. Now, did you? I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get to the questions. Did you? I know you watched the um, Bengals game. Did you watch anything else? I did watch a couple things this week. I have gotten further into season three of Succession, which okay, I really like Succession, but um, I haven't finished season three yet. But I already watched the episode that Adrian Brody's in, so that's cool. And I think Alexander Sarsgaard comes on, like, one of the last couple episodes of season three. So I'm kind of excited about that. And I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And then I... Oh, I continued watching Cowboy Bebop, the animated series. Like, I watched <gasps> oh! three more episodes. What was How the last far are you? I got past the trucker, the lady trucker episode. And then the one after that. Oh, heavy, heavy, the heavy Venus metal one. queen! The Venus Yes, one. and Waltz for, Waltz for Venus. Yeah. yeah. That one was Waltz sad. I was like, oh, damn. Like Waltz for Venus is one of mine and my nephew's favorite episodes. It's a good one. It's sweet, but it's also really depressing at the end. I was like, oh, dang. But it was good. Um, I think that was the last one I watched because I needed to take a break after that. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, that was, yeah. that was heavy. Oh, and I watched The Lost Daughter on Netflix. Oh, did you like it? I did you watch it yet? I haven't. Okay, I haven't, but it's on my list. I you know I'm an Olivia Coleman stan. Love her. Love her in pretty much everything she's in, and I do think Maggie Gyllenhaal is a good director. I think visually it was really pretty, um, and I know it was based on a novel, and I'm sure she didn't want to cut a lot of stuff from the novel, but I feel like oh, <sighs> redheaded girl from. I'm thinking of ending things plays the younger version of Olivia oh, Coleman's character. And I'm blanking oh, on her name. Okay, I know exactly who you're talking about. I see her face but so clearly. Listen yeah. to her episode and you'll know her name. I can't believe I'm blanking on her name. But anyways, she plays the younger version of Olivia Coleman's character. And Dakota Johnson's in it too. And um there's a bunch of and Ed Harris is in it and stuff, like and, and Maggie Gyllenhaal's real life husband, other Scarsguard, but he's not related to the Sarsguards. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. He's in everything. Yes. Um, it's good. It is really good, but it's a little long. Like, it kind of reminds me of, like, Yorgos Lanthimos. Not as dark, but, like, ki- like kind of, like, the story starts somewhere, and then it kind of meanders somewhere. And I really like everyone's performances, but, like, it's kind of a dark comedy, but I feel like they could have had a little more comedy or made it a little darker it kind of is like in between like i feel like it doesn't really know exactly what it wants to be but it's not bad it's good i just feel like yeah i i kind of reminds me of that movie rachel getting married have you ever seen that movie oh yeah yeah yeah. my sister mm-hmm. like yeah and halfway yeah my sister may like made us get it after she had like her wisdom teeth removed or her she had some kind of like surgery like medical surgery and um she, we, me and my mom were like taking care of her because it was like during spring break or something. And, um, she was like, Oh, I want to see this movie. And honestly, I just, it was just kind of depressing and boring. And it was kind of like, kind of like, what is, what do they call that? Like, not, not like gore porn, but like sad porn. Like, what, like, like Garden yeah. State. What do they call that kind of movie? I can't remember. We, there was a specific terminology for it, but like that kind of thing, mm. like, like cool, sad, cool. Like, I'm so edgy because I'm sad kind of movies. Yeah. So, like, it kind of felt like that. It's kind of like these movies that, like, they're, they're, 
they're really more character pieces, so there's yeah. not a lot going on in their script. It's more about the actor's performance and how they bring about mundane. They bring these like kind of mundane, not really mundane, but maybe kind of normal, just family dramas yeah. to life. I get. I know what you're talking about. There is a. It's like mumblecore, them, but it's a different version of mumblecore. It's yeah. not mumblecore, but. You know what we're talking about. It's like Garden State. Like, it's not that depressing. Like, nobody's terminally ill or anything like that. But it's just kind of like, it was a little meandering. But it, I mean, it was good. I would say if you love Olivia Coleman, you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but, like, if you just, like, want to see a movie, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's the most exciting movie to see. I think The Last Duel was probably a little more exciting. And I didn't really, I didn't like it as much. But I feel like at least there's some violence in that one. That people could enjoy. Um, this one is there is violence, but not like fun violence, and not not it's I don't know. It's fine. It's good. I wouldn't say honestly. I don't even think it really lets Olivia Olivia Coleman shine. Honestly, like it's yeah. not her. Like it's not. Oh, she does a great job, but like I've seen her do so much more diverse acting and other things. Honestly, like I mean. Just, just her, I mean, in Broadchurch, like, she's so good at being funny, and also, like, being able to just be really, really, like, just make you cry, um, that I feel like it's kind of a middle, like, again, I just don't think it knows exactly what it wants to be, but it's also Maggie Gyllenhaal's first directorial debut, so I would say, like, it's a good first look, I, I think if she tightens up, and sh- I think if it was shorter, I probably would feel better about it. But it was just a little long. So, I don't Yeah, know. and I feel that way. Um, so I will definitely watch it just because I know there's a strong chance she'll be nominated for Best Actress for that movie. Um, and, you know, we're about to go into Oscock. Osh- Osh- Oshcock. That's what I'm going to talk. <laughs> Oscock. Uh, Osh- Osh- Oscock. Yeah, that's what Oscock. I'm going to talk. Oscock. Uh, when you have a speech impediment, I can write it out. We're going to go into OSC talk. Um, Osh talk. Oh, Os talk. Uh, talk. talk. That's hard to say. I can say Irish wristwatch because I'm practicing Irish wristwatch. Yeah, but Os talk is a little harder. Anyway. So I will make this quick, Katie. I told you, I, was like, I think this is going to be the first year. I, this is going to be the first year that I'm going to see all these Best Picture nominees before they're announced. Mm-hmm. I lied. Cyrano is still not coming to us until late February. What the fuck? I, I really want to watch Cyrano. I thought it would be streaming. I, I thought, thought it would be, be for Valentine's Day. Yeah. No, it comes to theaters February 28th. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? So I probably will not. But, um, I mean... but no, that's really, really cool. But yeah, all these movies, all these potential Oscar nominees, all oh, of them are two hours or more. Jesse Buckley. That's the lady who I couldn't Buckley. remember her name. Jesse, Jesse Buckley. Buckley. Okay. And Peter Jesse Peter Sarsgaard. And Dagmara Dominique. And Oliver Jackson. What's his face? From Invisible Man and Haunting of Hill House. And Haunting ah. of... Oh, he... Jackson Cohen, yeah. he. I mean, there are yeah, a lot of pretty. really good people in it. Um, But yeah. But that's all I watched, really. Um, unless I'm forgetting something, and if I'm forgetting about it, then it's probably not worth watching. Um, but what did you, what did you get to watch? I know that you finished a certain series. I did. I finished Archive 81, and I, I did like it. I will admit that it's, 
So it was definitely like stylized to me, and mm-hmm. I thought the acting was pretty good and it was interesting, but I didn't feel like it really started to pick up until around the seance episode. Yeah. And then once it once it geared, it went into full throttle. But I felt yeah. like it took a minute to get there. Yeah. So, that's why, like, I watched it over several days, and then I, like, was marathoning it, like, once it hit the... The seance scene, though, where the lady... Spoilers. I Starts ripping it. her face apart. I was like, oh, my God. Yes. I was like, someone stop her. Like, they did not stop this lady from ripping her face apart. And I mean, like, it's not like they couldn't tell what was going on. Like, I was like, y'all suck. Y'all are sucky people. Um, I love the episode where they go back in time and tell the story about, like, the original cult and i was like yeah because oh, the costumes are beautiful and it's like interesting and the actors in it are really good um yeah i i think it i'm excited about it coming out with a second season although i'm like a little bit like i, I kind of hate i'm afraid it's going to turn stupid the second season but the podcast it's based on is multiple seasons and it's i think still going so maybe yeah. there's hope like i don't know because i haven't listened to the podcast and now i'm afraid to listen to it because I don't want it spoiled, but we'll see. I don't know. It's interesting. I find it, yeah. I think it's good. I think it was good. I okay. So unpopular opinion. I think it was definitely middle ground. Like I would say, it's definitely more good than bad, and I yeah. would recommend it. But I wasn't like I'm a diehard fan. I'm gonna go out and no, buy a shirt no, 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 with no. it. Like so. <laughs> but I thought it was a good, and it's like a it's like a short series. So I think it was worth yeah watching. Um, I didn't yeah. feel like, it's not like trying to watch, like, something like Game of Thrones, which is, like, you know, seven seasons long. Eight seasons long. We, we don't eight seasons, remember yeah. season eight. Um, I yes, do like. that's true. The camera work on Archive 81, how they yeah. block. I know Ryan was pointing out that, yeah, the girl does not hold the camera in the right spot for it. That is very annoying. But, like, the fact that, like, the way they migrate from him watching it on film to them filming it and going back and forth mm. was really well done um it's t- it's very I interesting have, i have one bone to pick so i thought it was so beautifully filmed and like mm-hmm. the visuals were really really cool i did think the monster yes there, uh, thank you for i did saying think that. it looked like I think it looked like the Cloverfield monster. Did and you it, feel that it, way too a little bit and also it just didn't really look very realistic Everything else looked very believable and realistic, but every time the monster showed up, it kind of looked very computer generated, and I was like, "Yeah, y'all." I think that was one of my issues. So literally, you know, when they do spoiler alert, guys, when they do the ritual and that kind of like haze comes in, Mm -hmm. this haze looks so CGI. Yeah, and I think my favorite type of horror movies are ones that use practical effects, or they let your mind like the. So I was telling Ryan. When we first see like the cult humming, and I think it's at the end of the second episode, that and there's the statue that really freaked me out. Yes. It was eerie. Yes, and there was no effects. It was just eerie because of the acting. I and think the it, way was it was staged. scarier before they showed the monster and the CGI. Agreed. But I, you know, I think we both. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I think CGI is a tool and you can use it well, but I think sparingly is the way to use CGI because it doesn't trick the eye completely in most cases. And I would just rather you use good practical effects personally. Or just creepy acting. I do. The music is very creepy that they use and people like humming like that really freak me out. Mm -hmm. So I did, I did, spoilers, spoilers. I did kind of guess the twist about the, 
the groundskeeper. Although I thought it was her as an elderly lady, honestly, for a hot second. And then, like, when they're like, spoilers, 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 it's her mom! I was like, oh! I was almost right. But I was like, there's no way this lady is, like, part of the cult. Like, she looks too much like the other girl. And I actually, I think this whole miniseries, I guess things, like, probably, like, minutes before they happen. But I'm really, like, good about being, like, so it's kind of like how we were talking about Sex in the City. And spoilers for, um, and just like that. But, you know, you mentioned someone saying that they were worried that Harry was going to get cancer because yeah. he didn't go to. That's the kind of shit I latch on to, too. Where I'm just like, oh, wait. So, I will tell you the last thing. The uh, So, I finished Archive 81 and then I watched uh, Dune. Which I know you oh, got yeah. to stream when it was on HBO Max. Yes. So, and I, I rented it. This How'd week, you feel? So. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, uh, it's very pretty. I uh-huh. really like the score. There were some really cool moments in it. I feel like these type of, these epic sci-fi or these epic fantasies, they should be TV shows. I don't really, I think it's yeah. a lot to take in in a movie format. Like, they have a, done it as a miniseries. Because in the beginning, maybe Mm-mm. they need to do it again for like HBO Max or something. <laughs> they might do like Children of Dune because the sequel, they might do those as miniseries. Well, well, this is the thing. I will admit, I, I now I know that these novels were written in the 1960s and they've been around forever, which I think is really badass, by the way. Yeah. Um, but and they inspired a lot of the, stuff. Yeah, and that's I love it. I think it's so wicked. But within the first 20 minutes, you get like all this fucking information thrown at you, and mm-hmm. I'm like trying to keep up. I'm like, whoa, who's what? Who who who's this character? Who's this person? What house is this? So that's where I was like struggling because they were they were feeding you so much yeah. in such a short period of time. I absolutely so. had to have captions on. I had to have captions on for this because I was like, also I just find it funny that it's like Atreides is their last name. But then mm-hmm. it's like Paul and Jessica, like Lady Jessica. Yeah. I'm like, what? That's that's like Duncan Idaho. I and then you got to name Duncan Idaho. I liked him as Duncan Idaho. Some people said he was distracting. I was like, I saw Duncan Idaho. I mean, yeah, it's Jason Momoa, but I think he did a great job. I was actually very excited. Duncan I liked Idaho. Jason Momoa. Um, I liked Dune. I it is it did inspire me to like. I am gonna read the next the book, the first book before like nice. the second half starts. Which will be mm-hmm. a couple years, but I have it on audiobook, so it's not as daunting as <laughs> reading, reading it. Yes. I'm not going to get like read the same line over and over again because I do that sometimes when I'm trying to read a book that I'm not super interested in, but I want to finish it. It's a lot. And if I didn't, if I wasn't a David Lynch fan and therefore hadn't done the research about his version of Dune and also the Jodorowsky's mm-hmm. Dune documentary stuff, all the weird stuff around Dune. I think I would be, like, I don't know if I would like it as much, but I think um, this director, I like Denny Villeneuve. I think he he does make epic movies much more palatable than their predecessors, and I don't know how he does it, but I think he does, because he did that with Blade Runner 2049 that I didn't like the original Blade Runner, except for the visuals, and I really liked Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. It does have Jared Leto in it, which is unfortunate. (sighs) And with that, should we get ready to? Should we get ready to go on to the movie? (laughs) Yes. So this week, we're so excited. Um, First of all, I want to give an apology because I should have picked this movie two weeks ago, but we got a little behind on our filming schedule. 
our recording schedule. And so I realized, like, last week I was like, oh, my God, we're going to be in February. And we would like to feature some cool movies by Black creators for Black History Month, obviously. Um, What a time to do it. And there's a movie that keeps popping up on my feed telling me to watch it. And it's been on a bunch of lists and like and horror lists and i i'd never seen it before but it had actors that i like in it and a director that i'd never seen her work but i'd seen her acting work and uh it is obviously eve's bayou and so that's what we pick i picked um and i i really 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 love this movie i absolutely love it i think everyone should watch it i went on a tangent today to my coworker about how everyone should see it um, and I don't know how, I mean, okay, every, like, a lot of people know about this movie, but then I feel like maybe because we were children when it came out, it went over the radar for, or under the radar for us, at least for me, because mm-hmm. I really hadn't heard about it, but it, 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 it's, it's an amazingly well-received movie. It had a $3 million budget, and it made, like, $14 million, and it was, like, That's one awesome. of the, like, biggest movies that year. As we said in Brit's beautiful intro, and um, it's 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 not really horror. It's more of like I would call it American Southern Gothic drama. Um, and yeah. there's a lot of dark themes, and there is supernatural elements. So um, I think it's really great. Um, obviously, Roger Ebert loved it, and he gave it four stars, four stars, um, which is yeah. high praise. And I I even like kept this quote from his review where he's this is how he ended it ease bayou resonates in the memory it called me back for a second and third viewing and i watched it twice too um he says if it is not nominated for academy awards then the academy is not paying attention spoiler alert they weren't for the viewer it is a reminder that sometimes films can venture into the realms of poetry and dreams and i was like oh roger ebert that was beautiful yes I love Roger. Roger passed away, but he yeah. he was amazing. And yes. uh, he did not give out four stars to just any movie, no. if you guys know anything about Roger Ebert. And me and Katie were talking about this earlier today. So he placed it higher than Titanic. Titanic mm-hmm. was number nine on his year's end list. This yes. movie was number one. This movie yes. was number one on his year's end list. And so, uh, Britt pointed this out. Jackie Brown and Boogie Nights also came out this year. And they were also pretty high on mm-hmm. his list. It was great. It, it's kind of like, almost like romance novel kind of drama. But not that tardy. It's not tardy at all. Um, but it, it does have that sweeping epic kind of vibe without being spectacle. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I think Titanic had, like, beautiful white people. And it was, like, even Leo is supposed to be playing Jack and Jack is all poor and shit, but he's still beautiful. And these movies have, like, even Boogie Nights is about the porn industry. So it's, like, yeah. these porn stars and their lives. And it's, I was telling Katie, it's almost like he kind of guessed the movies that would be, like, would go down in history or be cult yes. classics. So he's like, Titanic is great. It's spectacular. It's spectacular. It's wonderful. But these movies, these are the movies that like i loved and he was yeah. right because people love these movies to these days so yes um but and yeah it's a phenomenal movie 
Yes. Um, okay. At the time, at the time it was placed, there was only seven. I don't know. I need to check on this number. But when it was picked by uh, for film preservation, it was one of seven hundred and eighty-seven films, which sounds like a lot of movies. But when you look back at all the movies mm-hmm. ever made, it's really not. It's, it's really not. not. And they all have to be at least yeah. ten years old. Mm-hmm. They have to be at least ten years old. So they had to wait. But it's so it's actually what's available right now is the theatrical version for streaming. There is an uncut mm-hmm. version that I don't know if it's ever actually been released. Um, except um in like uh film festivals because they released it, they screened it at TIFF. And mm-hmm. uh Casey Lemons, who's the director, uh had to cut a main character out of the movie. Who kind oh. of represented like a darker side of the family, like a less than perfect mm-hmm. side of the family, and in her opinion, she was like, "This is not what the producer said to me, but this is what I think happened." And she was like, "I can't say everything because I don't want to get sued." But one person was financing the whole film, and they asked me to take this character and these scenes out because, in her opinion. They liked the beauty of the film and they wanted to keep because everyone else is beautiful in this movie. Like everyone is so pretty and beautiful. And this person, um, which when we get to spoilers, I'll explain this more because I had I listened to like three different interviews to get the story on this because like people kept mentioning I was like, but who was the character? You have to tell me. Um, Yeah. But I couldn't find the uncut version before watching this. I mean, before recording. So I haven't seen the scenes. But I and Casey Lemons to this day now says that she almost likes the theatrical cut better because yeah yeah because it it adds the ambiguity of the ending of the movie which I agree with I do think like if they'd cut this person and the scenes that they're talking about in there wouldn't be the same ending so I do think like it ended up working out for the best but I think it kind of soured her experience on directing because she thought she was done. With the movie, she had already yeah. edited it. She was happy with it. And then they're like, no, you need to keep this, take this out. And that happens with a lot of people. Um, but I think it frustrated her. And she didn't direct another, like, feature until, like, 2001, I think. Which is, like, I mean, that's a good, like, four years. Or more yeah. Than five? Five years. So, you know. Um, but since we're talking about her, um, this is written and directed by Casey Lemons. Um, we've already seen Casey Lemons in Candyman. Um, the original, yeah. but she's also in The Silence of the Lambs, and Vampire's Kiss with Nicolas Cage, and she also, like, guest starred in a lot of television shows and did soap operas on As the World Turns, Murder, She Wrote, Undercover for a few, and this was her directorial debut. You know, I think it also soured her experience that it didn't get nominated for any Academy Awards, because I'm, I feel like if this movie was released today, it would have been nominated for many Academy Awards. No, she did mention, um, because they asked her, and you probably heard this interview, but they're like, "Did you, could you believe that this movie had the crossover effect it did, that it resonated just not with black audiences, but also resonated with white audiences? And she's like, I did not expect it to resonate with white audiences, but I'm so grateful it did. Aww. And she's like, you know, um, and she's like, I, I, and I would have been happy if just black audiences liked the film, but I'm so grateful that anyone can watch this movie because she's like, I put my blood, sweat, and tears into this movie. And Literally. she's like, for people to love it, it's like, it's still like, hearing her talk about this movie like 20 years later in like 2017, yes. you can hear she's still so grateful that it had an impact because she had no idea it would have the impact it did. 
there was a New Orleans film festival or film film circuit or something. They, they did it in 2020 mm-hmm. during the pandemic. They got a lot of the cast and crew together um, to do, like, a Zoom interview about it. And they're all, like, friends still. And, like, mm-hmm. like she's so proud of, like, because Journey Smollett was Eve and when she was 10, but now she's, like, on Lovecraft yeah. Country. And Megan Good, who plays Cecily, like, who actually was originally supposed to be Eve, but it took so long for them to get financing. By the time they started, like, getting production ready, she was too old to play Eve, and that's why she played Cecily instead, um, which I thought was interesting. But she's been doing consistent work, too. And, like, and most of the adults in this movie are, like, amazing actors. Um, But it was just, like, everyone, like, they are so passionate about this movie still. Like, all of the actors. Um, And it was just so, I mean, it's just so lovely. And they're, like, really, like, it's like they made a little family is what they said. And I was like, that is just nice. And I will say, as a Southerner, which I... I'm not the most classical Southerner, but, like, you know, I've lived in the South since I was a little girl. The dynamics resonate, and I love, I love, like, a Southern Gothic setting. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's romantic. Like, not romantic, like, sexy romantic, but, like, like the romantic period. Like, it's romanticized and everything. Um, But there's usually something deep, dark, and twisted below the surface, which is why, like, but I will say, like, as a white person... I do feel like I'm peering into a window and seeing a world that I wouldn't see because this movie does such a great job of like showing a version of black society that is real that I don't think it's portrayed in film very often because Casey Lemons was from St. Louis. She spent a lot of time in Tuskegee, Alabama and like in her grandmother's um, home. And that's kind of like, no, there's nothing true or factual about the story. She wrote it as a short story when she was young. Her mom kept the short story somewhere. And then she ex- she thought she was going to write a novel and she ended up writing a movie instead. Um, but she, like, based it around her family's environment. And, like, she was like, I really didn't grow up with, like, a lot of white friends. Like, it was really kind of a closed society. They don't, they had their own hierarchy, their own structure. You know, it was their own community. And... Like, they're very affluent, and I feel like so often it's almost like a burden on black directors and black creators. Like, you have to teach a lesson. You have to, like, teach it about racism or about classism or about, like, anything. And I feel like this movie is just so much about family dynamic, and it's not teaching – it's not about racism – and I don't think that makes it any less of a movie, but I just find it interesting that – I think that's why maybe people like it so much. Not that I love movies yeah. that teach that racism is bad, of course. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to just let black people be people and not be teaching a lesson every time they're in a movie, um, frankly. And that's kind of what Casey was saying, too. Did you hear the notes she kept getting over and over when she was taking it to different production companies? They were like, fun. can can we have someone like that's white in the movie that's an antagonist and she's like why do i need a white antagonist like and so she when they finally got it greenlit she had to fight to even make sure her extras were all black yes because and that's the thing like it's a it's a black movie but it's not presented like everyone in this movie is black everything is so natural and you become so immersed in the story that's not until, like, I read that, I heard that, and I watched it a second time. I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't even realize there are no white people yeah. in this movie. But it doesn't it seem weird. It wasn't even a thought I had. It just seems yeah, normal. Yeah, it doesn't. It's just, 
it, it wasn't even a thought I had right. until I literally heard her say she had to fight for all of her extra speed black. Because it's only an issue if you make it an issue. It's not an issue. Why would yeah. you have white people? Why? You don't need a white person in a movie. Like, you don't have yeah. to have a white person in a movie. Um, I also love that um, she's continued working with Terrence Blanchard, the composer of this movie, um, who... You have definitely heard Terrence Blanchard play the trumpet because he played the trumpet for the alligator in The Princess and the Frog. <laughs> Which was, yes. I was like, that is the pop culture reference I will give anyone. But also, he played trumpet for One Night in Miami and Bamboozled. And he works consistently yeah. with Spike Lee. And he just did Perry Mason, which is a great television series. But he also continues to work with Casey Lemon. And they even wrote an opera together called um fire shut up in my bones based on the memoir of journalist charles m blow which in part chronicled his sexual abuse as a child uh which sounds like a really depressing opera but i listened to some of it it's gosh darn beautiful it's really good um it's hauntingly gorgeous um but he also did glitter he did the music for glitter which i found hilarious that terrible mariah carey movie um but also sugar hill malcolm x black klansman Harriet, which was Casey Lemon's most recent picture, which got nominated for two Oscars. And he's been nominated for two Oscars as well. Um, and he's written two operas. One with Casey Lemon as the librettist. librettist. And also the cinematographer is a woman, which I found really cool. Amy Vincent. And she and Casey just, like, really, like, worked well together and were really, like, in sync. Um, but she also did Black Snake Moan. But she also filmed as part of the legion series which is a really beautiful television series and then the exorcist 3 she worked on and clueless so i thought that was cool um that is cool i thought that was really cool was there anything else that i didn't cover um i will just say as a fun fact uh casey actually was pregnant with her mm -hmm. first child uh during a lot of trying to get this greenlit and she had just given birth when she started directing it so i imagine she probably felt very powerful in a few different ways taking on this project right. at that point in her life. So, which I thought was really cool. She can do everything. She's a she woman. She can. She's amazing. Yes. She's, I really, I want to see more of her work now because mm -hmm. I honestly didn't know she had directed Harriet because it was only nominated for actress and um, music and song, song. Original song. So, yeah. Which, which was Cynthia mm -hmm. Erivo, who's going to play Elphaba in the Wicked movie, which I'm very excited about. She's a fucking beautiful voice also the fact that she wrote and directed this movie and it's pretty tight like it's it's a yeah. tight movie it's good she actually she um in one interview i heard her say she identifies as a writer above all else and that really stuck with me yeah so even though she's a director she's an actress she considers herself, herself a writer and she actually wrote for the cosby show a little bit um too which i thought was yeah it was interesting because she actually met bill cosby and he was like hey, I'm going to give you a scenario, write something for it, bring it back to me. And she did. And my understanding is she got hired to write for the show a little bit. Um, which so he did one good the thing. Interviewer, Sorry. Yeah, and the interviewer <laughs> said I, that. He said, despite all the controversy, Bill Cosby was a big person back in the day. She's like, yeah, he was, he was a big person. So we're going to get into synopsis and then spoilers, guys. So before we spoil anything, here's our story. Ten-year-old Evie lives a charmed life in 1960s Louisiana in her prestigious family's ancestral home. But when she witnesses a family indiscretion, the truth may shatter their perfect lives. If only she could trust her own memory. Oh. Uh, Yay. <laughs> so with that, 
I hope that has, you know, hooked you guys to go watch this movie. It is very interesting and it is a very good movie. It's not too depressing, even though there's dark themes, there's some levity in it. Um, I would like, this is kind of like the divine secret to the Yaya sisterhood, but a much more elevated film, I would say. Where there's, like, funny moments, and then there's, like, really serious moments. Because it is, like, a family drama. To, you know, because family dramas don't tend to be, like, I hate the ones that are just all depressing. But there's some levity in it. So I feel like it has a lot of rewatchability. I know I watched it twice in, like, yeah, I did too. a week. So I really liked it. And I really enjoyed it. And I liked, the second time I really liked watching it and getting to know the characters a little bit more. I, I it's uh, on Amazon Prime right now. It is a theatrical release. I I don't know if you can get the uncut release. Maybe it'll be like on Criterion or something. We can only hope. I loved it and I'm really excited to talk about it. But um, I already know I have some dark thoughts about this movie. <laughs> All right. So uh, like I already know like I have a feeling that Katie you're going to be like, no, don't say that. But Oh, I don't we'll know. I have some... I have yeah. some, like, interesting thoughts, too. And that's what I like about this movie. It is a movie that you can talk about. Yeah. And obviously, mm-hmm. like, it's a movie that there's a lot to unpack. There's so much to yeah. unpack. And there's so much, so many layers to this. So do yourself a favor and watch Eve's Bayou. Support female directors. Support black creators. Um, this is such a good, good movie. Um, and really, I think anybody can enjoy it. I don't think anyone would dislike this movie um so with that i think we're gonna go into spoilers so yes don't it's on amazon prime again guys so don't listen past this point if you don't want spoilers um yes but i love how this movie opens because it's like first of all okay okay here's the the first 1990s like reference there's a weird montage of like visions and weird editing and then like there's the voiceover of, like, the summer I killed my father. Sorry, because she has to have, like, a really deep southern accent. I'm like, oh, my yeah. God. What is – you've hooked me already. I'm like, you killed your dad? What happened? I love that. Um, But basically, we learned that in 1962, specifically 1962, because Casey Lemon said that was the 50s of the South because culture trickles in. I was like, that is so true. It is so true. Trends will happen. When I used to, like, sell glasses, we would get, like, like, when round mm-hmm. glasses got really big, like, we were selling them two years before everyone heard about them. So then people come ask for yeah. them when, like, we were running low on stock because they weren't making them anymore. It was hilarious. Okay, so I had two thoughts. So, one, 1962 is officially 60 years ago because my dad was born in yes. 62. So, year year to Tiger coming back, y'all. Um, The other thing, did you already feel at the very beginning in this little opening monologue because Eve mm-hmm. explains that she was named after Eve, yes. whom, um, who saved General Jean-Paul Pastis' Batiste. life when he was stricken with cholera. And she was like... She saved his life, so he gave her a piece of land in the bayou, and in return, she, out of gratefulness, she gave him 16 children. And then you're like, that's already the narrative, like, you know that's probably wrong. Like, she yeah. probably did not give him 16 children because she was grateful. I hope not. I don't so, know. I, I hope not. I think- Well, they all I, have the last I mean, name you, Batiste, so did they get married? I don't think- See, I feel like he 
he released her, but did he release her from himself? I don't know. That was like, when we have this idea of family legends and fables within our own family, how did the narrative get warped? That Al, and maybe Al gratefulness she gave, and like, if that was the True. first moment in the movie that I was like, okay, this I is I mean, it probably wasn't. I mean, maybe she was grateful, but I, I doubt it was a, yeah, let me give you 16 kids. I think it was a begrudging. Okay. All right. Yeah. I guess. But yeah. they're also kind of proud. They're proud that they're descendants of this because they're wealthy and they have they the are, name and they have the money. They are like the cream of the crop of their society, like their community. Yeah. Like, like they are like they are like the keeping up with the Joneses. They are the Jones. Um, because mm-hmm. like they're hosting this big party. Everyone is like dressed like it's and it's like I love the costumes in this movie, by the way. But it's it's I just love how they set everything. Like there's like great like 50s, 60s music. Like the soundtrack to this movie is absolutely great. There's Ray Charles, there's Etta James, like it's just like a whole great thing. And of course, because a jazz musician is there composer i'm sure he was just like oh yeah i know all of this music like we are gonna get all of this really great stuff um so like everyone's like dancing and having a good time and they point out very early on that lewis the father who is like the town doctor all the women think he's like god's gift and um we meet little eve who's a middle child Brittany and i are both middle children um, played by Journey smollett um who is most recently in lovecraft country but she also um, is on Underground currently, and then she also was in True Blood, so she's done a lot of work. And she was uh, Black Canary in Birds of Prey, which was the Harley which Quinn film, too. I haven't watched too. yet, um, mm-hmm. but yes, she was also in that, so if you're a DC person, you might know her from that. Dr. Lewis uh, Batiste is played by the one, the only, Samuel L. Jackson, or he just likes people to call him Sam Jackson now. Um, who, okay, I, I picked three movie, three roles that I thought the, anyone would know. Pulp Fiction, if you're a film buff, you'll know Pulp yes. Fiction. If you're, like, a family person, you'll know The Incredibles. And if you're a Marvel yes. fan, which I think is everybody else, um, he's Nick Fury from the Avengers films. So, um, I don't know yes. how you don't know who Samuel L. Jackson is. Um, I want to say this. no. I just want to mm-hmm. state this for the record. Sam Jackson is a leading man. This movie proves it. And I think he has been robbed for decades of being a leading man. Oh, uh, yeah. He is charming well, you as know- hell in this movie. And I didn't know that Sam Jackson could be charming because they always cast him in roles where he's screaming at everyone all the time. Well, literally, Casey even mentioned that she had made a short. So basically, before this movie got greenlit, um, her producer was like, you know, she she wrote this. And then she started to think, do I want someone else to direct it because it's sensitive material? And her producer was like, well, let's see if you can film a drama. So he did. they right. did a short. Um, and that was called Dr. Mm-hmm. Hugo. And Sam Jackson saw this. And he was like, I would like to play doc- that doctor character, essentially. And Casey was like, before this, like, he kept getting cast as, like, a drug dealer or a mm-hmm. criminal, repetitively. And so, and the dad and this, like on you Ghost said, Rider. this was proof that he... Sorry, I just realized recently yes. that he was on one of my favorite children's shows on PBS as a child. He yes. doesn't curse. He doesn't say motherfucker. But yeah, so, but... 
Yeah, but it's like you basically said that, like, this was proof that he he was, he had the Lady Man oh, yeah. material, but no one wanted to give him the chance Which is to bullshit. show that. As a, so. as a, as a fellow character actor, mm-hmm. I feel your pain. It's bullshit. Um, but, so, Lewis is very popular. Her mother um, is, oh, where did I write her mom? There she is. Is Roz. She's, like, the most beautiful woman in town, and her name, it's played by, uh, she's played by Lynn Whitfield who was Josephine Baker in the Josephine Baker story. She, it, I mean, I feel like everyone's seen Medea movies. She was in Medea's Family Reunion and recently the show Greenleaf, which I haven't seen. But she is a consistent um, actress and she was a very established actress before this movie. Um, the children of the family, other than Eve, were played by... This is cute. So her little brother, Jake Smala, plays Poe, the little brother, who was on the middleman and on our own when he was a little kid, but he's now like a, a chef professionally, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and his whole family like were ch- child actors, and some of them are still acting today. Um, but the only reason he got cast was, and this is kind of a long story, but like I said, Cecily, the who's played by Megan Good, who was is in Harlem right now. She was a, a, a one of the superheroes in Shazam. Um, she was on Californication, and my personal favorite, she played Nina in the very weird show that I used to watch as a kid, Cousin Skeeter, So when she was still a child, so probably right after this show. Um, yeah. So Cecily was, look, Megan Good was supposed to play Eve, but then she aged out by the time they got money for the production, and so they still didn't have an Eve when they were, like, scouting locations, and the casting director found journey and when they read journey they knew it was she was eve because um she was apparently very spooky she was a spooky little girl as diane carroll said who plays another character we'll mention later um and she casey lemons was like taking a break and she saw jake waiting for his sister to get done with the audition she's like do you want to come improv with your sister and that's how he got the part like he just happened to be there um, but I think they work really well together. Um, and it's cute. Um, I feel like there's a lot of family. I'm going to get the family out of the way so we can, like, get more into stuff. Uh, do you want to cover Aunt Moselle? Yeah, I can, I can. Yeah, so we got Debbie Morgan and she is Aunt Moselle Batiste Delacroix. Uh, she played Dr. Angela Baxter Hubbard on All My Children from 1982 to 2013. She, so she was a She soap played star. like a bunch of different doctors on a bunch of different soaps. That was the main one, but like, she's like a thousand different doctor yeah. characters. She started at Dr. <laughs> no, she started at Doc. She did crossover oh. episodes as Dr. Hubbard on other. There were a couple different too. names on there, so mm-hmm. I was like, what? Like, but I guess she just looks mm-hmm. like a doctor. Yeah. She does, and she is phenomenal, and she has some great monologues in this movie that I'm like, this is a hell of a role for any actress, and she she did great. She did great. So that was her main thing, and then she did two seasons of Charm, Mm -hmm. which was a show we grew up with in the early 2000s. It's like witchy Um, Buffy. And we did also, witchy Buffy. Uh, We have Bramford Marcellus as Uncle Harry, Ethel Eiler as Grandmere, who's the grandma Mm -hmm. of the family. Um, and then Maddie Moreau is played by Lisa Nicole Carson, which I Lisa Nicole her. Carson, Katie, I don't know Oh, if no, you know I this. love her. She was on ER. Did you know that? She... Okay. 
Did you know that due to her bipolar disorder, she had like a complete breakdown no. and like took ten years off of acting? Oh no! Yeah, ten her years character off of acting and she- on ER was super great. Like I, re- my mom mm-hmm. was really into ER, and I used to watch it with her. And Carla, I think, was her character's name. Um, and she was like super like interesting. I really liked her on that. She actually gave a very, like, candid interview about it, which I think is Aww. so wonderful and brave. And, um, Lisa, I know you'll probably never hear this, but thank you for being an advocate yes. for mental health. That's really important. That's amazing. I hadn't heard that. That's super cool. Lisa, you rock. Also, she was on Allie McBeal, too, which I didn't really watch, but I was too young to watch Allie McBeal. Um, but that was another... She, like, she did, like, she was on all the hot shows in the late 90s, early 2000s. So... She's a pretty awesome career. Oh, and then we have Lenny Moreau, which I oh yeah, I mistyped Lenny Moreau. and typed a T instead of an R. It says Mateau. That's Mateau, anyways. <laughs> uh, played by Mateau. Roger Gwenver Smith. I might be saying his middle name incorrect because it looks very French, and I'm not really sure. Um, but he was in Do the Right Thing and Malcolm X and also the TV show Dope, which I haven't watched yet, but it's on my list. It looks good. Yeah, and I haven't seen Dope either, but I've heard, I've heard, like, pretty good things about Dope. So. I think, yeah, it seems to be really, really, really cool. Um, but yeah, so basically... The family and their friends are having this big party, and uh, Eve kind of misinterprets some stuff because she's a middle child. I did this too. Um, where like her mom like is like embracing her little brother, and her dad is dancing with her older sister in front of everyone after he's done dancing with Maddie Moreau, who apparently is the town harlot. They don't really say that, but like you know that quote from Dolly Parton where she's like. I just really liked the 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 town trash. That girl's just trash. I loved how she looked. I thought she was beautiful, and I'm gonna look like trash. Like they kind of treat her like that lady. Um. Anyways, he's done dancing with Maddie. He's dancing with Cecily, and uh, in classic middle child fashion, uh, Eve like ref- her uncle Harry, like who adores her, is like, "Do you want to dance with me?" And she's like. No, and then she just kind of like runs out in a tantrum into the carriage house, which like only fancy houses have carriage house, but it's like the fancy barn for horses. And she like falls asleep there. And this is like the first like really this was super dramatic when it comes on. This is why I call this a little bit of melodrama, but not it's not like the paper boy where it's like trashy melodrama. Yeah. This is probably the trashiest it gets. Um, but she wakes up to her dad and Maddie Moreau seemingly having sex and she's 10 or nine, almost 10. And she obviously just starts hyperventilating and freaking out. And her dad realizes what's happening and writes himself and then like gets her to calm down again. He's a doctor. So he's just like, okay. And he kind of has like a talk with her where he doesn't really like apologize. He kind of is like, oh, you scared us. And I'm like, you scared her. She scared you. You probably scared the shit out of her. She doesn't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. And then, like, he's kind of like, but I love your mother and I would never leave you guys and all this stuff. 
And then, like, she's still really, really upset, but she doesn't tell her mom anything because she doesn't want to say it in front of her dad. But when Cecily comes by, um, she starts... Do you think it's interesting, too, that... No, go ahead. Sorry, it's a, it's a quick thought I'm going to have. Do you think it's very interesting, too, that after this whole situation with Maddie Moreau and her talking to her dad, her feelings once again goes back to, Daddy, how come you never danced with yeah. me? Like, it's like... I think it's very mm-hmm. interesting that there's this very dramatic moment and it goes back to that for her. And I think that comes to play later. But it's interesting because Cicely's, Cicely's in the Cicely, very next scene. like, so. is like, what's wrong with you? And she starts crying because she's obviously like, I, I luckily, you know, never saw my parents having sex growing up. But I know several people who did. And oh my God, did it traumatize them. And sex is a wonderful and beautiful thing. I'm just saying, when you're a child and you see your parents having sex, that's traumatic enough. But when you see your parent cheating on your other parent, that's especially traumatic. Because then you have this whole, like, parentification of a child where you're adultifying this child. Where you're just like, you can't tell your mom. Don't tell your mom that I was cheating on her. I'm like, that is not a child's job. Like, you son of a bitch. Anyways... Um, but Cecily is super affectionate towards her dad and like Hero worships him and she also I don't don't think wants to ruin the status quo of her family either. So she just convinces Eve, who's 10 and her memory's very malleable, that that's not what you saw. They weren't rubbing up against each other. They were laughing. He dropped something and she got it. So, you know, everything's fine. Yeah. Which is she reframes the moment yes. completely. And I love this technique that uh, that Casey does where she does it a little bit again and again where it's like they step out of their, of their scene and they're back in the scene. So she's literally yes. there in the carriage house with Eve. And she's like, you see, they're just getting more wine. Yeah. And she completely reframes it. But before that, she even's like, Daddy wouldn't touch that cow. Like her, her go-to emotion seems more jealous yes. than... Anything Which is interesting else. and creepy. So, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But, so that's the inciting incident. Um, and it turns out to be a very chaotic summer. So the rest of the movie is kind of like, like, almost like my summer story. Like the Christmas story, like, uh, sequel. Where it's just like weird things happen to the family. So, like, throughout the summer, just things happen. We do have a scene right after this where... Um, Eve has a nightmare of her uncle Harry getting to an accident and dying and that happens and Moselle talks about the fact that she is like a black widow and she's now lost three husbands to like tragic incidents and she's like and they do this thing with mirrors where Moselle has like the second sight she's like a not voodoo hoodoo um Mm-hmm. Seer? She's not a priestess or anything. Like she's not like because she's. They're all Christian. They're Catholic. Clairvoyant. Yeah, clairvoyant. Clairvoyant. Claire, Claire but they're obviously Catholic because yeah. at the funerals they're also in Louisiana. Everyone's Catholic in Louisiana. I know not everyone, but most people are. Um, but she's like clairvoyant, and everyone comes to her. But she does this cool thing with mirrors where she sees all of her dead husbands in the mirror as she's talking to Eve, and she's yeah. like, "I loved them all. I promise I did." And Eve's like trying to take care of her. 
And some other stuff that happens is, like, Eve's following her dad around, and it's very obvious that he is a serial cheater. It's not just, like, Maddie. It's a lot yeah. of cheating, and he doesn't really seem to be... I don't think he really is proud of himself, but he doesn't really seem to feel guilty, because it is a different kind of society and time where, you know, he does something where, like, Moselle and Roz and Grandmere all like are talking about him cheating on them and he's just like they're always crazy you crazy women they're always mad they're always mad what the fuck like i don't know like it's just a different time and i don't know it's an excuse but i'm saying the attitudes were much more like hold it in don't really talk about it um Cecily's also obviously like becoming a teenager and hitting puberty and she's always at odds with her mom and Moselle ends up having well, it's a whole sequence. So another thing that happens is they go uh Moselle's depressed about her husband dying, obviously, and Roz is depressed about her husband being unfaithful. And they go to like the market, like the outdoor market, and there's this lady there, um, Elzora, who is played by Diane Carroll. Mm-hmm. Who was a very established actress in this day and age. Um, she uh, was Julia in the TV series Julia. She's been on White Collar recently. And she was Dr. Burke's mom on Grey's Anatomy. And she was on Dynasty. Which, God love you if you don't know what Dynasty yeah. is. Um, but also... And, and I also... Oh, were you about to say? I don't, know, I don't know if this was the one that you, you saw, but... I knew I recognized her because she was the hologram lady in the Star Wars Holiday Special. She wears, like, a white fringe wig. Oh, nice. And she talks to the Wookiee grandpa. It's very weird. She does a great job. She's, like, seducing him. It's very strange. I love it. For a Christmas special. That is amazing. It's hilarious. <laughs> I, I actually put, she did uh, Agnes of yes, God on that's how Broadway. Casey Lemons and that was her. her favorite role. And that was... Yeah, that's what Casey, Casey was like, you know, everyone was used to, she was used to everyone's talking to her about Julia, and I told her I saw Agnes of God, and she was really she did proud a lot of, of that. So I was like, you know what, we're going to mention that. And Agnes of God, yeah, so if you I like that. are not in the know, is a very dark, very dark, very difficult play. And doing that, being cast in that, doing that show, is a very great honor. So that is a big one. It's one of the big ones. It's like an Angels in America kind of territory. Like, oh my God, you're an Agnes of God? Um, it's not as popular, yeah. I think, as Angels in America because it's not as much in pop culture. But it is like one of the big ones. Um, but so like they go to this fortune teller and Moselle is her own clairvoyant and she helps people out. And so she thinks Elzora is, like, a Saiso attraction. And she does have, like, white face on, which was kind of weird. Um, But they just kind of want her to stand out and look creepy because they were like, Diane Carroll's too pretty, but we need to make Elzora kind of creepy. Uh, (laughs) So white face? Cool. Um, Which is not that big of a part of the movie, but I feel like it's in all, like, the, like, marketing stuff that I see. And I'm kind of like, all right. Um, but anyways, Roz is, like, enthusiastically like, tell me my fortune. <laughs> my sister-in-law's kind of, like, she's a little skeptical. 
Um, but she gets her fortune told, and she tells Roz that an unexpected solution to her problem will arise, and in three years she'll be happy. Until then, look to your children. And she's like, that's bullshit. But she believes her and puts a dollar in her thing. But then she tells Moselle that, like, you're cursed and you're a black widow. And Moselle, like, smashes her jar of money. It's great. But on the way home, Moselle has a vision of a child getting run over by a bus. And she tells Roz. And Roz believes that Moselle sees things. Like, she has seen it come true. And so she's like... Um, yeah, the kids aren't leaving the house all- until, like, we know that they're safe. Which is another thing that adds to, yeah, like, the frustration of the family. Like, another thing, like, Lewis is just, like, so, like, annoyed with it. But she's also like, it's your sister. And, like, his mom, Grandma, is like, she's always been right. So what the fuck's your problem? But it just yeah. adds to it. It's just like. But the only <clears throat> thing is, yeah. All the kids start going stir crazy yeah. though. And so like Eve starts slashing out because like she puts like a dead snake on Poe's like pillow and then she, you know, Poe's screaming and then she's like, Well, where's daddy? He's never home and I know he's not always working. So like she fully acknowledges mm-hmm. to her mother that she knows her dad's yeah. cheating. Um, but this is like one of my favorite scenes of the movie. So Moselle is yeah. like you know that was shitty. It was a shitty thing for you to do. And she's like, I'm a lot like my brother. And so she tells her a story mm-hmm. about, like, how her lover, Hosea, confronted her second husband, Maynard. And I love it's this so good. scene. And so the way... Did you get the feeling? So I didn't catch that the dream was a premonition. But this was the scene that I was like, oh, Eve has yeah. the power like Moselle yeah. does. And that's why she has the red hair like Moselle does. Because you see Eve watch the moment. And fun fact, so when they were filming in this house, um, the tenants that were like, please don't move the mirror. Please don't move the mirror. It's a very old mirror. We don't want to get damaged. And Casey was actually kind of struck by this mirror. And so the scene was originally supposed to be like one of her premonitions. But instead, she decided to reframe the scene and film it within the mirror. It's so cool. Which I thought was really cool. And yeah... And so Maynard, in this, like, brilliant moment, you see the action playing behind them, and Hosea confronts him with a gun, and um, he's like, you know, tell this man to get out of my damn house, and she's like, in that moment, I realized I love Maynard, and I told Hosea to get out of my house, and his eyes went calm, and he just shoots him, and she's like, and then I was alone again, and I was like, serious, like, wait, okay, but I, it's, I was like, I think I wasn't breathing. I was like, oh my god, I Honestly. love. And she walks into the mirror, which I yeah. think is the best part. Is like, you think she's just mm-hmm. telling the story, and they're just watching yeah. it, and then she inserts herself into it and experiences the whole trauma again. And I, I love too that she mm-hmm. adds, "I was alone for a while because Moselle's never alone for too long." Yeah. Um, but not because she's bad. Like, I mean. And I think she blames herself, and maybe that's why she thinks she's cursed, is because she did cheat on her husband. But she also says that her husband, quote-unquote, grew tired of her because she was barren, or so she thinks, in that the kids, the the her nieces and nephew are her kids. And I thought that was really sweet. I have friends yeah, who have kids like that, where they're like, they treat their nieces and nephews like their kids because they don't have kids. For one reason or another. And I was like, that's sweet and sad. Because she seems like she really wants kids. I mean, one thing if she didn't want kids. But, like, it's obviously she does. Well, 
It's really sad, too, because we don't know a lot about her first husband, but we always see him in a military uniform, so we know he probably died in war. So It's very sad. It was like, first husband, she was just a widow. And then with the second husband, it was like, oh my god, he was murdered by her lover. And then the third husband is probably what really got her thinking she's a black widow. Which is what, I mean, it's like, one time is a coincidence, two times you're like, uh, the third time you're like, what the fuck is is happening? happening? Um, It's not good. Yeah, which is scary to think about. It's really scary to think about. Because then anyone you fall in in love with, you're like, I don't want to marry them because I might accidentally kill them. Like. Exactly. And it's not even anything you do. Like, it's nothing you really do. I feel like maybe she just has. Because maybe she just has bad. Like, maybe she doesn't pick the right people, too, because Maynard obviously. Hosea had anger issues, or else he wouldn't have shot Maynard, or Maynard, I'm sorry. And uh, Menard. Menards, th- there's a store called Menards, so when she Menard. said Menard, I have to say it like, I have to say it like Maynard, When she Menard, says it in a beautiful remember, southern so. accent, it sounds great. When I say it, it sounds yeah. stupid. Yes. But that's just because my voice is stupid. Me too. <laughs> it's not as, not as beautiful. No, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> but, um... But then also, like, Harry has a drinking problem, and that, the reason he got in the car accident was because, like, he tried to drive drunk after the party. So, like, to me, I'm like, it probably is coincidence. But also, this is a movie that has supernatural things, so maybe it's not, but also, it seems like a coincidence. So, is she cursed to choose the wrong people who are just gonna have tragic ends, or is she the one causing them to have tragic ends? It's not really answered, but I kind of like that because do we ever yeah. really know in life about these things? Not really. Yeah, and it is real. And there's something I think there's a very uh, great contrast to her and Elzora yes. too that I know we'll get to in a bit. But the next thing we do see Cicely waiting up for her dad, and as soon as Eve walks in on them, because she's like pretending to be bartender, and Eve yeah. comes in and he's like, "Oh, it's time for you girls to go to bed," and you can oh, just see her pissed. face drop. She's jealous when he does and that. pissed. Oh yeah, you know she does want to mm-hmm. be like an adult. She wants to be an adult, and she doesn't want to be treated like a kid. But also, she likes being her dad's favorite. Um, but her dad's trying yeah. to like love both of his kids. So, I mean, Lewis, that's the good, the cool thing about Samuel L. Jackson is he's just such a good actor that, like, you don't fully hate Lewis. Like, he does some shitty-ass things. It gets worse. I'm just gonna say, it gets worse. But, like, there is some sympathy there because I don't think he means to be a monster. I think he is trying to be a good person, but he is a very weak person, in his character, and he doesn't try to fight that. So, which isn't the best thing. But in the next scene, we're also introduced to Julian Gray Raven, played by, uh, as I completely... Oh, Vondi. Vondi uh, Curtis... Vondi Curtis Hall. Yes. Who has fabulous who hair is in actually... Movie. Yes. <laughs> And he's Cassie's husband in real life, too, which I thought was really cool. Yes. Uh, Casey and him, like she said, uh, had a baby right before this movie started filming. Um, but they I, they, they are still married. They are still married happily. 
um, on their Instagram. They're, they're all over each other's Instagrams. It's adorable. Um, with their children. Apparently, during the pandemic, they got to, like, they have a house on Cape Cod that they all stayed at. And so, and her kids are, like, in their 20s now. Um, but he was in Romeo plus Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann one. He's in the night house, which we want to see. And he plays a character on Daredevil. But oh, I don't remember awesome. who he is on Daredevil because I only watched, like, the first season. So, I can't remember anything but the three main lawyer characters. Sorry. <laughs> It's okay. We won't hold it against you. Um, but he um, he comes to Moselle because, of course, he hears that she has a gift. And she, he's looking for his wife who left him a year ago. And he wants to know where she is. And Moselle sees where she is. It's with another man. And so I guess in to thank her, he tries to paint her. It's, yeah, in bed is, with another man. This is man. when it gets super 90s because when they have these flashbacks, it's all in black and white. And they're like, it's almost like, do you remember like those 90s, like 80s, 90s, like terrible iMovie almost like filter music videos? Mm-hmm. Like that's yep. what it, all of the visions remind me of. Like, oh, like when we saw Bad Hair last year when they were making fun of like music videos. That's what these visions look like. That's what I'm saying is a product of the 90s cuz it's kind of campy, but I'm also like, ah, I mean, it's an it's an okay way to represent it though, too. Like it's fine. Yeah. It gets the it, it gets does. the point across. But like like else. she like, sees like, one okay, guy doing I can drugs see what's like going flashes on. flashes sitting on a toilet with a needle and you're like, "Oh, okay." And then it's like your wife's cheating on you and she's like rocking some dude's world and you're like, "All right. Okay." Um, but it's just like the way it's presented is yep. very nineties. <laughs> it is. I I would yeah. agree with that absolutely. But like, I guess to like thank her, he like is going to paint a picture of her. But then the next thing you know, he, the painting's done and he's making out to, with her. Uh, so it's like okay, Mozilla got some to new Etta man. James's Sunday kind of love, which is a beautiful song. Um, mm-hmm. I love Etta James. Yes. Although apparently she was a very fiery lady one. and was very upset Beyonce sang at last. <laughs> <laughs> at um at the inauguration when Beyonce was saying oh. at last for Barack Obama's oh, okay. ina- inauguration, Etta James was I believe it was Etta James that was absolutely pissed because that was her song and how dare Beyonce sing it. Oh. And I was like, oh and I mean Etta James was not young at the time. So I don't really blame her. I get that's a big moment and I don't know maybe and I think didn't Beyonce play her at some point? In a biopic, I think. Oh, I don't know. So I don't know. Ooh, Beyonce at a James drama. I don't. I think Etta James has passed on now, though. Sadly. Oh. But am- she's an amazing singer. Um, her story she weather is, is such a great singer. song. And at last, I mean, everyone knows at last, but stormy weather is just oh, it's such a good song. Anyways, um, but yeah, so she has a new man. And, like, a while later, he's like, I gotta go see my wife. And then he's like, and she's like, oh. And then he's like, so I can get a divorce. And she's like, but she's so afraid that he's gonna get murdered that she's like, oh, yeah. no, you don't have to do that. Like, I don't do that. It's fine. Like, yeah. don't do that yet. But he says, like, you can tell, this This is the moment you can tell that Grey, that Grey Raven is written by a woman. Like, that's a new TikTok thing. They're like, oh, he's a man written by a woman. You can <laughs> he's tell he's Mr. written Darcy. by a woman at that point. 
He is, cause he, 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 she goes, I'm, I'm cursing, I'm barren, and he goes, you're wounded here, and he puts his hand on her heart, and it's like, and it's here, I'll plant seeds, and you're just like, oh, shit, that was like the perfect yeah. thing, so, like, <laughs> you're like, hey, this is where you know that, uh, that Casey wrote this, Absolutely. but we do also see, uh, we see where Sis goes missing, and only to walk in saying she visited her father at his office and she went to the beauty parlor. And did you have this thought to Katie? It was like, who gave her the money to go to the beauty parlor? I figured parlor? her dad did, honestly. I figured she I know. coerced her dad. And she was like, Daddy, I want to mm-hmm. get my hair done. And <laughs> she doesn't talk like that at all. But that's that's my spoiled brat voice. And um, knowing it would piss Roz off. And then... Just I mean, the thing is, like, I just never, maybe, I, did, I don't think, I don't think I pitted my parents against each other. Um, but, I don't know. Yeah, it's really shitty. But it, it's, she's like, Mom, I had to cross all these train tracks to get home. And Ross just slaps the piss out of her. And I don't believe in child abuse, but she is purposely, like, egging her she mother. Is. It feels is like, like, like at this when point. people are like, yeah. Here's the thing. I think there are parents who, like, slap their kid one time because they're, I was a, I was yeah. a terrible, like, emotional out like not I wasn't out of control but emotionally I was a lot to deal with like like I can understand how someone could get so frustrated that they don't they're not abusive but like they slip up and I mean I think there's a way to write it and Roz does kind of write it because she does apologize and she is like I'm so sorry but like Cecily kind of doesn't care um yeah and that night, too, Roz waits up for Lewis, and she's like, Cicely tries to come down there, and she's like, I need you to go to bed, and I don't want you waiting up for him anymore. Mm-hmm. And you can tell she's hurt. But for a moment, I feel like this is the moment that Roz sense that she senses something is wrong, yeah. and she does try to do something about it. So that night, Lewis and Roz argue. Then um, next day... The child's hit by the bus, and of course, this is like a darkly funny moment. They all start celebrating. And <laughs> the this grandmother's kid like, by a bus the Because fuck? they're like, we're free! Yeah, the grandma's like, what the hell? That's how I would be. I would be grandmayor. What the fuck? This is not right. But of course, Eve goes upstairs to tell sis about it, and she finds sis doesn't want to wake up, and she finds blood in her panties. Which, and to me, this was I not surprising because of like periods but i wonder if this was a big deal in the 90s because like they actually show like bloody underwear i i i feel like something's different is going on and i know this is going to be a controversial opinion when i talk about I don't this think at it's the as end, controversial as you think but... it is though because it is a distinct possibility it is a, okay, so you already know what direction yeah, probably she, in my opinion, it is a distinct possibility of a couple of different things. And we'll get to that. The only reason I the only reason I think this is because how violently she reacts. So well, she yeah. chases after Eve. 
and she strangles Eve. Yeah. Like, not like sisters and brothers who smack each other and fight do. Like, violently to the point that the man has to pull her off of her. And that man And is then Grey in the Raven. next scene, Grey Raven, because of course Lewis is nowhere yeah. to be found. Obviously. Um, He's but banging in the Maddie next Moreau. Scene, what are you Ross talking tells about? Lewis, <laughs> exactly. Like Matt, Maddie. He's with Maddie. Um, but Lewis comes home and Ross even's like, she didn't tell me about it. To me, that's like a very big thing. Like, okay, she didn't even tell her mom or even her aunt that she got I will say. Period. And when, when Lewis, I got my first period, my mom was working a 12-hour shift. And I was too embarrassed to tell my dad. And so I waited a whole day. Aww. And my dad was like, I mean, I mean, just like, you know, she's the the person with the vagina, so I wasn't going to tell him. I don't know. Like, it's like that episode of King of the Hill when Connie gets her first period and she's like, I mean, like, do you want to really tell somebody? And I was 10, too. So, like, I wasn't, like, very mature. Yeah. I, but I feel like Cecily's 14, so it's not like it's abnormal to have a period. Exactly. And the thing is, you would think she would instantly go to Roz or Moselle, but she doesn't. doesn't. And then when literally Lewis is like, yeah. And when Lewis tries to be like, you want me to examine you? She won't even look him in the face or anything. She's like, go away. It's the only thing she tells him. Yeah. And so we do get it's the next scene. the second time you watch it. Little Eve say. tries to. Oh, no. Brittany's frozen on the camera. Am I frozen? Yes. Oh, no. Now yeah, you back. just froze on me. You no, you but you did the robot voice. Okay, <laughs> you, froze you did on me robot too. voice. It was like it hits different the second time. So I was like, <laughs> uh, but That's so it's not next funny, thing we do funny. see little. Oh, it freeze again. No, 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 you're good. I was saying he it's not funny when I'm laughing pineapple at, but... at the little markets. Okay. Oh, okay. It's. Uh, oh, did you did you want to talk about this this little pineapple thief? Oh thing? no, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, so Eve tries to steal pineapple, but stops in her tracks when she sees Elzora, and it's like, oh fuck. Um, so she they go back home, and Cicely has fallen into a deep depression. Uh, she hasn't eaten or slept in two weeks, and so a psychologist suggests that Cicely needs a vacation away from the family. And when Lewis is like, we can work anything out together, Cicely's like, no, I want to go. So, which leads us into the second kind of big turning point in this movie, which is where Cicely finally tells uh, Eve what happened. Yes. Yes. Sorry. This movie, I think, needs to go outside. No, you can tell this part real quick. Um, so Eve's obviously upset that her sister's abandoning her and she's like i can't believe you're leaving me and i feel so abandoned and cecily's like well here's what's been going on and basically the night of the storm where her parents had a big fight cecily went to go comfort her dad after her mom went to bed and she's sitting on his lap she gives him, like, a quick kiss on the lips, which, okay, I never kissed my dad on the lips, even when I was a little kid. It was always cheek with my dad. So, mm -hmm. it always kind of weird. I don't know why. I'm just, my family aren't big lip kissers. So, we're cheek kissers. I Now that there's a pandemic, I don't even kiss my family. <laughs> we 
like side hug. Okay. Um, but like to me, I was like, okay, it's kind of weird, but you know, different families have different traditions. Okay. Doesn't necessarily mean it's creepy. And then there's another kiss. And in Cecily's opinion, her dad is trying to kiss her in a very inappropriate way. And Cecily fights him off. And he gets mad at her for fighting him and slaps her to the ground. And then she kind of runs away. And that's why she's mad at her dad. And so, of course, Eve is absolutely furious. First, her dad's cheating on her mom. Then he's molesting her sister. Her dad has to go. So, she does kind of tell Moselle in a very roundabout way. And Moselle's like, I'm sure it's not what you think it is. But, and so Eve feels like no one's listening to her. And she can't tell her mom. So she goes to Elzora. And she asks her to put a spell on someone to kill them. And um, she thinks that she's going to get like a voodoo doll or something. So she gets the hair for Elzora. But she's waiting for the voodoo doll. So she doesn't think anything's actually going to happen until she gets the voodoo doll. Um, and she finds Elzora, like, surprisingly normal when she's at home. Because she's not wearing, like, the face paint. And she's just a normal lady. Um, but basically, eventually, she kind of, like, changes her mind a little bit. More feeling guilty. She does run into Lenny Moreau and kind of accidentally on purpose tells Lenny about the affair. Like, kind of was just like, yeah, my mom's, like, always so lonely because my dad works really late. I bet your wife gets lonely, too, or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, wheels are turning now. And, um, she runs to Elzora's house and tells her, like, asks for the doll back or whatever. And she's like, what are you talking about? There's no voodoo doll. I already put the curse on whoever you wanted me to put the curse on. The hair you gave me. Because she doesn't tell her that it's her dad. And she's like, they should be dead by now. And so Eve freaks out and she runs to find her father. And he's at this bar with Maddie, of course. And uh, she passes Lenny on the way, who is trashed beyond belief. And um, basically, before Lewis and Maddie can leave, Lenny comes in and accuses Lewis of fucking his wife. And, um, you know, he, Lewis is just kind of laughing it off. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? It's nothing. It's all good. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you're just drunk, man. It's fine. Because they are friends. And, um, it's really sad because, like, Lenny gives him, like, three chances. He's like, don't ever talk to my wife again. And he, he says something to her and he's like, if you tell her one more time, I'm going to shoot you dead. And he just, like, can't help himself. He just goes, good night, Maddie. Yeah. And that's it. Uh, Lenny shoots him. And to Lewis's credit, he gets Eve out of the way and takes the bullet to make sure Eve's not okay. Um, But he does die. And um, it's very difficult because, you know, Eve's relationship with her dad is obviously complicated. But the whole family is still really upset. And um, this is... Okay, okay, so... This is where, okay, if you want to say what happens next, and I'll tell you what the uncut version was, and that's because it, it, it makes the ending completely different, the uncut version. 
Okay, so Cicely is inconsolable at the funeral, and Eve sees a vision of Elzora at the funeral, and Moselle tells Eve that she told Julian she'll marry him, and she's like, Louis, Louis, your dad told me to tell you I still owe Eve that dance, Uh which is like, I think just adds to Eve's guilt, because her dad says, when she's like, Daddy, why don't you want to dance with me? He's like, I promise you every other party I'm going to dance with you now, and he tells her, tell Eve I still owe her that dance. So while going for Lewis's things, Eve finds a letter from Lewis to Moselle, and it turns out that when Moselle was talking to Eve, she briefly touched her hands, and she yanked back because she was startled yeah. by what Eve was able to show her. And she's like, well, you keep your secrets to yourself, but meanwhile, confidentially, Moselle did accuse Lewis of molesting yeah. Cicely, and he's like... He's like, I can't believe you would say this. I love my child. When she came to me, she kissed me like a woman. Mm-hmm. So that's Lewis's. So there's an agreement. There's a kiss. But they perceive the kisses right. differently. And he says that, you know, he feels bad because he shouldn't have slapped her. He should. He was trying to slap sense into her. But he should have been like, explained to her why it was wrong and been a better father. But he wasn't. So... In yeah. the uncut version, there is a witness to this incident. And there is oh. a uncle, Uncle Toomey, which was based off of an uncle of Casey's. And Casey's uncle had some kind of illness like cerebral palsy or something like that where he was pretty much deaf. Or not deaf, mute, sorry. Uh, he had some kind of illness where he was pretty much mute and non-communicable. So... She's like, I was a little kid, and it was, you know, several years ago, so I really don't know exactly what was with him, but he was someone that we would say goodnight to on the third floor of the house every night, my uncle to me, uh, my uncle, and so there's a wheelchair-bound uncle who was mute in the movie that was a whole other character that they had to cut out because originally he was in the room when this happened, so he's the only one who knows the truth, but he can't tell anyone because he's mute. So in oh. the movie, I don't know what the truth is because she hasn't said that. Um, and I haven't seen the uncut version. I don't even know if the uncut version tells you what the truth is. But to her, she was like, the truth is hidden in that person. And so, but I almost like this ending better because what happens is Eve also is clairvoyant, is starting to become clairvoyant. And she grabs Cecily's hands, and Cecily can't even remember what the truth is anymore because she's so messed up. And she wants to remember her father in a good way and not a bad way because he's dead now. Yeah. Which, you know, I feel like I feel that. I know I've lost people in my life that sometimes they annoy the shit out of me. And I probably complained about them. And then you lose somebody and, like, all you want to remember are the good times, you know? So. Yeah. I get that. But then it's also, like, I don't know. It's it's very, like, sus. Like, it, did she block it from her memory because she doesn't want to remember it? You know? Um, it's very, yeah, yeah it's sad. Um, but instead of, like, letting her their dad's name be tarnished they take that letter and i don't think moselle actually saw it because i don't think he'd actually sent it to her he had like written it and it was still on his desk so and they just put it out in the water and get rid of it yeah and that's how the movie ends so it's 
I it's a lot to unpack. We've been talking about this for like an hour, so <laughs> it's a lot to unpack this movie. Um, jeez. Do you have a feeling? Do you have a feeling now? It's obviously Casey made it ambiguous for a reason. Um, but you do you have a feeling of kind of what happened? I know I have a dark feeling of what I think happened, but this is not. Uh, but the only thing is, knowing there was this character, it would have definitely made what I thought happened a lot darker if it had happened in front of this character. So I okay, I I don't. Ugh. I don't think her dad actually molested her, molested her, but I'm not, I wouldn't put it past him to give in to it because he is not a morally great person, but I don't think he's a child molester. And I feel like that's part of the beauty of the script is they do build up that he he is not a great person. But he does have yeah. limits. He does seem to be a good father. And generally speaking, molesters aren't necessarily hypersexual to the public. And he is to adults. Now, he could yeah. also be trying to make up for the fact that he is a molester. But usually usually it's somebody who appears to be, like, on the up and ups. Not somebody who, he's not, he's pretty careless with his indiscretions. Um, but, again, it's a different time, a different place. I don't know. Maybe he had bad urges and he was trying to get them out on cheating with other people. Um, but I don't think, I don't think he, like, fully molested her. Let's just put it that way. I think the kiss was as far as it went. I don't know if it would have gotten worse, but I feel like what I think happened is Cecily initiated it. But didn't really understand what was happening, and he gave into it. If that makes sense, like yeah, I don't because I don't know. But not that she. I don't think she was trying. To, I'm not trying to victim blame. I'm just saying I don't think she really understood. Yeah, no, what she no, no. Was doing, um, because she's a kid and she thinks she's an adult, but that's also your dad. So I think he misinterpreted. I also think he was very drunk. So, could be a factor. What do you think? I I don't know if this is definitely what happened, but I think between the performance um, and the contextual evidence, I think it's prob- there's a strong possibility he could have raped her. Um, yeah. See, I kind of thought... Uh, and the reason... The period stuff was like she was upset that he was going to think she wasn't like his little girl anymore or it was going to make her or yeah. she was afraid he was going to molest her kind of like that whole song yeah. getting her period and, thing you know yeah and no i i think so it's to me so this is where it gets very like murky and it's not like a definite thing but yeah so the two things one of the things i keep coming back to is there's very deliberate casting going on here so they have sicily look very much like her mother mm-hmm. and she even gets her hair cut to milk like her mother why eve very obviously looks like moselle she's even a redhead like moselle eve has these clairvoyant powers like moselle and it feels like literally as Louis is losing affection for Roz, sicily is oh. taking that place oh. in a lot of ways but yeah i can see that it's it's how i feel and so I think 
personally, I think the trauma. So when she sees the blood in the panties, I think it's the trauma. And I think that's why she fucking freaks out. Because she's so afraid of someone knowing. And she's so ashamed. Like, she doesn't... Maybe in the trauma, she could have blacked out. Because she literally tells Eve. She's like, he hurt me. He hurt me so badly I wanted to die. And when Eve sees it, we don't really know what Eve sees, but Cicely just breaks down crying. Yeah. And I I personally interpreted that Eve didn't tell Cicely to protect her, that maybe, you know, their father's dead. There is nothing they could do now. The only thing she could do was maybe give Cicely, um, she could maybe let her heal in some way versus bringing it up like, this is what definitely happened. So... I I don't know if that's really what happened, but this this is what I thought of reading in between the lines. And I love this movie because this movie had so much gray shading yes. to it. Nothing was just black and white throughout the whole I film. I agree. And I love that about this I movie. I think that's interesting because so, you could... There's no real answer, so I, I do think it's yeah. interesting. Like... Because, yeah, it could be any of those things. I kind of feel like maybe... That wasn't as popularized. The trauma, like the aftermath of sexual trauma, wasn't as popularized back then. Yeah. So I don't know if people would know about it. Yeah. Not that people don't, but I don't know. Casey Lemon seems to have a very not abusive childhood. So maybe I wouldn't have known well, that if I, I didn't read thought... so many true crime things. Yeah, and I even thought, you know, because I know you brought up that he didn't seem to hurt the other two children anyway. But it's also, I think it's a common thing within families where one sibling sibling will be molested and the other one won't. And that causes friction where it's like, well, how could you say that he didn't do that to me? And it's like, but he did it to me. Right. And that's something, but Casey's never explicitly has talked about this. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know, know if that's something she hid within her script. Yeah, or not. So Or maybe she But and that's Siska. Yeah. I don't think either yeah. is I think either possibility is completely right. I do think I do think he all if he didn't fully molest her, I do think he's the one that like made things weird, if that makes sense. Like I yeah. I and he's the adult, so he knows better. I mean, here's the thing, like... Exactly. Kids, are, kids, kids are weird, and these are isolated children. Like, she says her sister is her very best friend. They live in a very nice area, but they do seem isolated from the rest of the town. So, I feel like... Yeah. That might be a form of abuse if they're isolating the children. Two, like, maybe the reason is so they don't tell people what's going on. Um, not Roz, but I'm just saying that brings up abuse, too. Like, that's how a lot of people get, like, look at the, you know, the Duggars. Like, they didn't have a lot yeah. of friends coming in out of the house, so of course nobody knew about all the shit going down. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, I find the ending is very interesting and ambiguous. I love it, but it's not a bad ambiguous, and it does it does remind me a lot of Old Boy and Atonement. But this came out before both of them came out. It even came out before the book Atonement came out. So I wonder if they saw that and yeah. were like, "Oh, that's interesting." Um, but I do think Eve being a child 
makes the whole like memory distortion so much more believable because like you know i love certain things i love um sorry i love psychology and i um am especially fascinated by uh dissociative identity disorder and you know you have to be a child for that to happen and it's your memory it's your brain trying to shut down trauma like trying to make you forget about trauma protecting you basically but all of these kids are too old you- to have i think you have to be younger than 12 mm-hmm. or younger than seven i think when the abuse starts but if cecily's mm-hmm. abuse started when she was much younger like your theory it could be but also i think you can still have selective amnesia it's just amnesia is real and so amnesia basically trauma causes amnesia and amnesia if you're young enough causes dissociative identity disorder because your personalities separate because of the amnesia because one personality is experiencing the trauma and the other personality has no idea the trauma is occurring so until yeah. they start talking to each other it's very interesting yeah it's and i don't I think, think a lot of that but I, like it makes me think of yeah. that because willful amnesia is a thing that you do yeah. to protect yourself. And my thing is a lot of a lot of my feelings based around why I think that's a possibility is Megan Good's acting choices. Cause you could read something on paper, but Megan Good act actually Megan Good and Journey both acted their asses off. They're for so being good. Such young kids. They're so they're good. both so good. And I think that's really, Megan's performance really gave credibility to that fact that it made me feel like there was something more going on. Like, there was a lot more to read between the lines yeah. than everything we saw for Journey's eyes. So, or Eve's eyes, I'm yeah. sorry. I mean, but yeah. did, I, go ahead. I do have another, I, I'm sure you caught this too, but did you think it was interesting? So the opening, the opening monologue and the ending monologue are almost the exact same Except uh-huh. for she says the summer I killed my father compared to the summer my father said goodnight. Mm. So it's interesting how she puts blame on herself at the beginning. But then at the end, she says when my father said goodnight, because he says goodnight, Maddie. And that's what gets him killed. So I wonder for her vision, if Eve's able to forgive herself, like finally for her father's death after reliving the events as an adult. I don't know if that was like purposeful but it felt purposeful yeah. to just I'm sure it was. those, like, three... Yeah. Casey so, Lemons is too smart of a writer and director <laughs> to not be purposeful, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think it's really great. I loved it. Sorry if you can hear dog collar dang- dangling. Gizmo's being... Okay. Um, but anyways, I love it. Um, I think some of the best things, other than stuff we've talked about, the casting... So good. It's like, a, it's pure joy to witness Sam Jackson portray such a flawed character with such truth that you kind of question his guilt. Um, and the, like we said, the child actors were amazing. And then like all these strong female characters from Debbie Morgan and Lynn yeah. Whitfield and Diane Carroll is just, oh, it's a joy. Um, and we already talked about like how interesting this is that it's a black film about a black family and black society that isn't putting everyone in poverty and it's not about racism. It's just about family drama. Love it. So good. Um, and normalized. Thank you. 
Um, and the music is fantastic. Oh, I love the music so much. Um, also, the ending theme is Erica Badu's um, A Child with the Blues. And um, very, very successful singer. She's still very much popular today. In fact, my friend Ashley from work was the first person who like mentioned her name. And I was like, I don't know who that is. And um, I listened to Child with the Blues and it's beautiful. She's a beautiful singer. Um, was there anything else, like, super positive you want to point out before we go to negatives? Not a lot, but... Yeah, I said, I said the same thing. I said very purposeful casting. I'm a sucker for good casting, and they nailed it between Eve looking like Moselle, Cicely looking like Roz, um, casting, um, Journey's brother. So you had literally children actors that look like each other, and you had, I mean, they're, like, beautiful like, I don't Everyone's know, like, beautiful. everyone in the cast is absolutely stunning. Like, when you see They're Roz the first beautiful. time in that party dress, I was like, oh my god, mm-hmm. that woman is, like, the definition of classy beauty. Like, she's just, I mean, she just looks she gorgeous. Is. They all, I mean, everyone's gorgeous in this movie. Um, But that's what Casey Lemons was like, I think they wanted them to be, like, just pretty people. Um, But yeah. And they are. They're beautiful um, the script had multiple layers of meaning. Um, so I, of course, I already brought up the opening and ending narration. Um, there's a lot of things that aren't spelled out for you, and I love that it trusts mm-hmm. its viewers to kind of come up with to read between the lines and come up with their own interpretations. And I like that. I don't like being spoon fed things. I want to really think on the film and kind of simmer in what I just watched. So I yeah. really appreciate the movie doing that. And then the setting. The setting is rich and dreamy and oh, moody. It. And it has this great pacing. The film has a really great pacing. I love it. And it's kind of like a painting. You're watching like a mm-hmm. moving painting. It feels like in some places. And you know the so house they I'll, use. Yeah, so a lot of great the stuff. The house they used is a real house. Yeah. It's supposedly still standing in Madison, Louisiana. I want to go. If it's not like oh, someone's wow. actual house. That's some... Like... <laughs> and she said it was so hard because she had to have a house near the water. But, like, in Louisiana, because there's so much flooding, like, people usually don't build their houses next to the water, or if they do. So, like, it was really hard to find. Um, but they found it. Um, but, yeah. The only thing's, like, negative, I will say, which is, it's not a lot. And this is not the movie's fault, but it's on all these, like, horror lists, and it's not really a horror film mm-hmm. at all. I am no, glad it was on those lists because it made us watch it, but definitely not a horror film. This would definitely be in this one of the, like strange, strange kind of category of spoopy, strange or scary because it's not really a strange movie except for the supernatural bits. But I do feel like it's one that either you you know it, you love it, or you've never heard of it, and you're like, "What the hell is that?" Um, so. I, I'm glad we watched it, but I was kind of like, this is not a horror film. It's a supernatural drama, but anyways, um, and it's just very yeah. late 90s. There's some, like, some of the music's a little overly dramatic, and, like, the scene where Maddie and Lewis are getting it on is, like, way, like, the editing is all over, it's, it's really dramatic. It's like, dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun, they're banging, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Um, but it's almost laughably, like, I was like, is this how this whole movie's gonna be the first time I saw it? And then, like, I was like, oh, no, it's just that one sequence. Okay. Um, but, you know, you do get that that was really traumatizing for Eve. But, yeah, that's really, like, the only 
negative stuff. It's not really that negative. It's just, you know, a product of its time. Yeah. Um, did you have anything else or were no, those, were those your negatives. big negatives? Those are my negatives. Those only two. And one of it wasn't okay. even the movie's fault. Yeah. And it's okay. So keep in mind, not soundtrack, but I thought the score was largely forgettable. Oh, okay. In my opinion, like the soundtrack, the songs they pick, like Sunday Kind of Love was perfect for that scene. Like it, it was great. And I felt like a lot of the songs they picked were good, but the score itself. So it's, I love music. And usually when I think about movie scenes, a lot of times I can hear the song or the score playing in my head. I felt like the actors were so powerful, it undermined the score. And I honestly cannot think of the score when I think back on this movie. I do love the soundtrack, though. That's probably my favorite part. Yeah, the soundtrack is good. And I think Terrence, I think I've heard a few of his Spike Lee soundtracks, so I know he's a good composer. Um, I don't think that he's a bad composer. I just think the score for this one maybe was not his best. And this was also an early work from him. I think he'd only done a couple movies with Spike Mm -hmm. Lee before. So it might also be just, you know, growing into being a composer versus a musician. Yeah. Um, Because it is different. Like, I know plenty of musicians who couldn't compose a lick of music. And I know composers who... Well, no, most composers can play music. Never mind. (laughs) But, uh, yeah... But, you know, like, yeah, it's it's not, I would say, like, I remember the soundtrack more than the score, but mm-hmm. I, I, I do remember it from the few dramatic scenes, like, and I do think he's an integral part of why the soundtrack is so good. So, um. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you have a rating out of 10? I did. Um, I gave this one a 9 out of 10. Oh, okay. I gave it like an 8. That's because I'm really okay. I'm really stingy with my 9s. But I really, really okay. like this movie. Probably for... I don't know. Maybe I give it a 9? I don't know. Do I give it a 9? It's okay. I mean, you know, I'm 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 surprised that I did nines for this in Pig. That's really surprising because I, mean, I don't give out nines too I often either. I think my only nine before this better than Pig because it's definitely yeah. more enduring. So, but I think I only gave Pig seven point five. Let's give it an eight point five, just to solidify okay. that I really like this movie and you guys really need to watch it. Um. Please yeah, it is it. really good. Um, did you have a Grindhouse Girls rating? I did. So I rated it M for Manipulation, Memory, and Middle Children. Oh, that's cute. Um, I had yep. two. I had rated P for Paternal Drama and Premonitions. And okay. then I had rated G for Grigri's Gaslighting and Girl Power. Because that's like the bag that you give people. You put curses in is Grigri bags. And she gives a lady a Grigri bag. Ah. Although I don't think they actually said the word cool. Grigri. Which is G-R-I-S, I think. Um, but I really like looking into like Louisiana <laughs> voodoo culture. Yeah. A, okay, you live in the South for a little bit. At least one person you know is going to be like, have you ever heard of voodoo? And they're going to tell you all about it. And then you'll be Google searching it. Mm. Uh, which one do you like yes. the best? Um, I think between your two, I like P, I think. Okay. Well, and by the way, if y'all were wondering where we found some of the information, Wikipedia, IMDb, and the main interview was Tiff Talks. 
Casey Lemons on Eve's Bayou and the uh, New Orleans film film board or something. I can't remember, but on YouTube, there's actually a lot of really great um, interviews by Casey Lemons about this. So that's great. Yes. Um, but next week, Brits picking. It's Brits pick of the week. Yes, I am. It is. It is. So um, continuing on with great black creators, black filmmakers. Um, I have heard about this movie. I know Katie's mm-hmm. heard about this movie multiple times. It's usually on a lot of like best of horror lists, like throughout the years or the decades. It's also on a lot of the best of stylized horror lists. Um, so usually you can sometimes find it among likes of Suspiria or like um, Let the Right One In. But we are doing 1973's Ganja and Hess. Um, it was written and directed by Bill Gunn, and it's currently on Showtime. So it is a black poita- black exploitation mm-hmm. horror movie. Um, so yes. with that, we're gonna say goodnight. Make sure you watch this movie on Amazon Prime. Um, make sure you are kind to people. Make sure you wash your hands, take your vitamins. But we love you guys so much. Thank you for listening, liking, subscribing, sharing. Um, and we just love you. And we hope you guys are doing great and fantastic and staying safe out there. Maybe the Bengals will win the Super Bowl. But I'm not holding my breath. But I'm I'm still happy. They'll have won or lost by the time this comes out. So... This may be really stupid of me to say that. It may be really awesome. Who knows? Yes. But, yeah. but we love you guys. I hope Thank they win. So I hope much. they win for your sake. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. Yes. We appreciate it. <laughs> yes. Um, guys, uh, in lieu of what we talked about, my biggest thing is go read a book. Um, yeah. If you really want to open your eyes to other people's experiences in their lives, go read a book. Or if you don't really want to read a book, go follow 10 people on Instagram unlike you. A different color than you, a different age than you, a different religion than you. Search people who are different from you and let it open your eyes. Watch because movies from other countries. Yes, watch, watch movies from other countries. Educate yourself. Like, it makes you a better person. There is no shame and learning. Yes. Yes. Please go to news sources and check your facts. Peer-reviewed sources. There is no shame in... Peer-reviewed sources. Yes. I'm sorry. (laughs) And there's no shame in educating yourself and learning because it helps you become a better person. Um, And with that being said, we love you guys. Um, I hope you guys take care of yourselves. I hope you have a great morning, a great afternoon, a great evening, wherever you're at in your day. I hope it's wonderful. Um, and as always, please drink your water. Um, and of course, we just look forward to seeing you same time, uh, same spoopy channel. Stay spoopy, y'all. Stay spoopy, y'all. Have a good night. Bye. Bye, Bye Katie. Bye.
Music.